Hello, this is Noelle Madison, just a typical ADHDer. I just wanted to talk about some of the media I've been consuming lately. One of the shows is Call My Agent, or in French, 10%, which is 10%. It's on Netflix, and I guess there's a fourth season coming out. I just started season three. It's about acting agents in France, and they earn 10% of whatever their clients earn. And this particular agency it focuses on has some huge stars. Those actors play themselves, and it's really hilarious and a bit surreal. Sometimes I'm a little confused about who is playing themselves and who isn't, because some of the characters are totally fictional, some of them aren't. As far as I know, I'm not French and I'm not super familiar with the ins and outs of the industry, so there could be tons of influences, I mean, I'm sure there are, that I'm not even aware of. But sometimes there are characters who are kind of fictional and real, like one of the agents apparently had an affair with Chet Baker. And when I looked up the actress, she actually did have an affair with him, but she has a different name than her character and I assume a different identity. It's really hilarious. The actors are great all around and the script is fantastic. It can get really ludicrous in terms of soap opera plot drama as it goes. And these characters we follow are very manipulative go-getters extremely enthusiastic, generally high-strung, which makes it very entertaining. But in the end, a number of them are also extremely enthusiastic about film and passionate about making the best movies possible and about connecting to great actors. None of them really have their own lives. It's all caught up in office drama and that's one of the main plots is them attempting to balance their personal lives with their work lives, which is of course completely intertwined with the people they're interacting with. Even though they try to have rules about falling for clients, there's still tension between each other and various others involved. It's also a lot more stressful than I expected. I don't know why, I guess because it, it's kind of a farce, but some of it's really intense. It's almost paced like a thriller. It's a sitcom, but quite exciting. This is the first series I've watched since my recent emergence of Star Trek Mania, which I actually want to sit down to watch rather than re-watch an episode of Voyager or Deep Space Nine. So many shows I've started and stopped and didn't feel compelled to continue. But this one caught me within the first few minutes. The advertisement itself was funny. And then I realized how engrossed I was when a character got pulled from a Tarantino project in, again, like the first two minutes. And both the agent on screen and I expressed the same expletives. Now it's hard for me to stop thinking in French. I am not super familiar with French, but my mom was a French teacher. My dad learned French. My uncle is French. And I did take courses throughout middle school, high school, and a little bit in college. I've also visited France a couple of times, pretty briefly. So I don't really know it, but it just the sound of it echoes through my head sometimes at night. 
There are a few beautiful moments as well in the story, sometimes really poignant. One of them most recently, I don't want to give too much away, there is a lovely scene in a film that's being recorded where a younger man is supposed to go to an older man who I guess is also the president of France, but he's kind of off duty in a robe walking around or getting changed. It kind of depends. They were experimenting with different things. And the young man asks for advice about a woman he loves and how to seduce a woman and win her over. And the conversation basically is about the transience of life and love and those beautiful moments. And at one point, the older actor jokingly starts saying all the lines of the younger actor, but it ends up revealing something really interesting. The director ends up switching the character's lines. So it ends up that the old man is talking about a romance that could be in the present, but the way he describes it, it sounds like it's from his youth. And the younger man is giving him advice about how to seize the moment and win over a woman. So it's really beautiful how, uh, how it portrays the wisdom that can come with youth and impetuosity and the tenderness that still exists in old age. I also started watching Good Omens on Amazon Prime, and I've seen the first two episodes. I'll definitely continue it. It's very cute, especially David Tennant and Michael Sheen. They're both really charismatic and watchable as usual. They're both excellent actors. That's a fantasy, which is based on a book written by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. I haven't read it. In fact, I've not read anything by either of them. And watching the show, even though I do like it, I'm starting to see why a lot of people don't like the Harry Potter movies, like a lot of film critics who aren't familiar with the books, just because so many fantasies can feel really bloated and overcrowded if you don't have the background. Like there are a lot of small things that happen and small characters. And I think, okay, I'm sure this is like an important, great, part of the book, but I don't feel like I have the depth to feel attached to them. It's extremely colorful. The plot is about an angel and demon, as far as I can tell, who are trying to prevent the apocalypse. Well, all the forces of light and darkness are working against them because they want to win the war. But these two characters met at the Garden of Eden and basically became friends from there. It's basically a, uh, an angel demon fan fiction. Truly, they're very cute together. But neither of them wants the apocalypse because they really like Earth. They enjoy earthly pleasures. The demon likes certain music and fashion and alcohol and the angel loves books and probably puppies and stuff like that. Oh, he also loves to do magic tricks, even though he is fully capable of doing actual magic. So if you're not a fan of fantasy TV or movies, I wouldn't recommend it unless you really like David Tennant or Michael Sheen or some of the other actors in it. Everybody does a good job. But if you do, I certainly would suggest checking it out.
Something else I recently finished is Left Hand of Destiny, part one. That's a Star Trek book about Martok, my favorite Klingon. He's featured in Deep Space Nine. This book was written by Jeffrey Lang and J.G. Hertzler, who played Martok. There are actually a series of Deep Space Nine books that came out after the show, and there are all sorts of Star Trek books. But I think that Deep Space Nine especially lends itself to countless stories because of its rich world building and because it has so many dynamic characters who might appear for one episode, ten episodes, and it didn't have time to finish a lot of the stories. It finished many of them admirably, but it sounds like they were rushed at the end, unfortunately. So, spoilers for Deep Space Nine ahead. Essentially, Martok becomes Chancellor of the Klingon world, Quonos, at the very end of Deep Space Nine. There are many New World Orders (laughs) at the end of the series, which is part of what makes it so satisfying and exciting. These massive changes on personal and political levels. And this story follows Martok, Worf, and many other characters. Possibly too many. I was surprised how many characters it switched to. Mostly new ones, including a Ferengi who's quite cute. I enjoy a Ferengi as despicable as they tend to be. This one's kind of unusual for his type, luckily. Essentially, the plot is that there is a very serious uprising and attack by other Klingons, as far as we know, against Martok when he comes home as the new chancellor. He then becomes an outlaw running for his life. It does a pretty good job of capturing the characters, and it's basically more fantasy than science fiction, which makes sense because these are Klingons we're talking about and they have very rich traditions and mythologies. But I also like to have fantasy within science fiction and have a huge variety in that genre. It's pretty cheesy. It's not always that well written and can be confusing as to what's going on and what isn't. But I Again, I did think it was very enjoyable. It's also kind of reassuring having Klingons as the protagonists because they're very hardy and, I guess, feisty is an understatement species. So they can take a lot. So when everything is going to crap, terrible things are happening, the Klingons often have a part of them that is rising to the challenge and is actually really happy to have all this war and violence and challenges that they can rise to meet and conquer. So it's actually sort of nice to follow characters who aren't necessarily going to be completely devastated by the same things most people would be. They still get devastated, and it's just slightly different things than humans would Um, That's one reason why I like Martok, actually, is because he has PTSD from being captured in Deep Space Nine for several years. Because for a Klingon, to be captured is much more traumatic than to be violently attacked. 
that's something they they tend to shake off easily or even value. But to be made helpless and at the mercy of someone else is much more difficult for them to cope with psychologically. There's also some possible sexism, I would say, with the uh, trope of this very evil character who is a woman overseeing everything, but maybe that will be explained more in book two. Anyway, I recently started a Patreon. I don't know what I'm doing at all, but I decided to start it. It will change with time and you can check it out if you want to donate anything. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good day.